Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur. Wow, I'm messing up my titles already. Hold on, let's redo that. Welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast always brought to you by me, the podcast mogul Phil Better. And I'm ready to introduce our guest. Very exciting guest. It's someone who's been in the business coaching industry for over 22 years. They facilitated individual growth to spur organizational growth. They've worked with owners, executive frontline leaders, and sales professionals in a variety of sectors, including manufacturing, retail, nonprofit, government, professional services, and of course, my favorite, technology. He focuses on guiding clients to customize practical solutions that spark action and sustain improvements and growth. He believes the key to changing any organization is to facilitate change through their people. He emphasizes the power of people and the passion in his ladies and gentlemen, my entrepreneurs in waiting. Please welcome Brad Schneider to the show. Brad, we are so happy to have you today on the show and share your amazing story. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Brad, I gave you this long-winded uh, intro that I shamelessly stole off of uh, Chad G. Easy's tool to create great in, as you said. But I want to know more about you. Who are you? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so, you know, my story and in, in getting involved in coaching, and you'd mentioned there's, you know, 20-plus years of doing that in a variety of different organizations. But for me, it actually goes back to playing baseball as a kid and I was a catcher. And one of the things that I realized as a, as a catcher, as a, as a kid is when I had different pitchers, I couldn't treat them all the same way when they were struggling during a game. Some of them, if I kind of kicked them in the rear, uh, they might kind of, you know, kind of curl back from that and not respond well. And some I needed to really kind of jump on and challenge. Some needed a pat on the back or what have you. And that was kind of the first time in my life I ever remembered thinking about people respond to different things in different ways. And if I want to work with them to get the best out of them, I have to be flexible enough to change my approach to help them get the results that they want. And not that like when that happened, when I was like 11 or 12, I thought, Hey, I'm going to be a business coach. <laughs> um, but those themes kept playing out throughout my career. Um, and as I went through college and, and into starting my career and whatnot, I was always that person that people tend to just go to, to, bounce ideas off of or ask how to approach these things or, or do some things differently. And so as I got my start actually in technology in an IT consulting firm, I learned all these different things that limit great technology from being successful. And almost all of them are people, communication or behavior related things. So I started to drift my career and my training kind of in those directions, brought me through human resources um, and then ultimately starting my own business about eight years ago. But the theme kind of throughout all of that is figuring out what drives people, maybe what's holding them back, what they're afraid of, helping to kind of remove that obstacles, those head trash or those fears, trying to help them remind them that they're much stronger and much more powerful than maybe they even realize that they are and help them stay kind of focused on trying to achieve those goals and objectives. And so the last eight years is um, as a growth coach, um, been doing that and having all kinds of fun with that. Um, doing the thing that I feel like I was meant to do kind of on the planet and having a blast and being able to add value to other people to see their goals achieved is, is really what I live for. 
God, that's awesome. Um, I want to go to your why. Like, yeah, you realize back when you look back on your life, obviously, you see, um, oh, this is why I do this because of these incidents. And you, you, you mentioned back when you were a catcher, I was, I was a catcher as well in my youth. And I, you can, I, I saw it more as control. You controlled the game because you controlled the speed and the types mm-hmm. of pitches. So I saw it more as a, as a leadership role in that. But you also saw it in a different leadership role, which resonated with you. But what was the why that you decided to go from corporate world to I'm going to bet everything on me? <laughs> so the real major driver for me, and I saw this, I lived it, and then I tried to keep it from happening in corporate gigs, and it was a challenge, so I decided I needed to go do something about it. And it was this simple concept that most of us that end up in a leadership position um, end up in that position because we were really good at whatever job that we were doing, and then we were thrown into that role when we were kind of next in line, so to speak. Um, and so what I wanted to be able to do is I wanted to be able to help people that were good performers. They were good in their organizations and they were put into different roles, whether it's the first time supervisor or the first time stepping up to an exec level or or all of those things, they all require us to work differently, um, do different things, have different techniques, different mindset, different focus. And I think collectively around the globe, we struggle at doing that well with people and helping them change those behaviors. So I've, you know, my why was I wanted to be able to make that transition as smooth as possible for folks. And I also wanted organizations to stop the mistakes that happen when they take one of their best performers and inadvertently make them one of their worst by putting them in the wrong seat just because they're technically good, but they may not be effective at being leader and being able to motivate people and keeping people on track to do the things that they need to do. I love that. Why it's, 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 it's helping everyone. It's a win, win, win. Like you hire you, your employees do better, but also then in the long run, the business does better and you, your, your business can grow. Um, now, 22 years is pretty long time to be in this coaching and growth world. And I know you started your business eight years ago, but you've been over this, this generate, like, two generations pretty much nearly a full generation uh you've seen the cycles and turns i my question to you do you see is there different generational issues facing people like let's 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 like look at the baby boomers who are close to retirement or should be retiring in this age but some are still in that levels and then you have the gen z the gen xers the millennials and now you have are you do you work specifically with one type of generation or like one group of people or have you seen uh i have like 84 questions i'm asking at once here we're gonna make it simple your ideal client who is your ideal client um my ideal client is anyone that is interested in continual growth and develop um they can be in nonprofit spaces, they can be in small businesses, they could be in larger businesses. But specifically to the generational question that you were talking about, I think it's it's almost next to impossible today to specialize in one of those generations because there's such a blend of generations across a variety of different businesses that if you don't have some competency in being able to adjust either by generation Um, sometimes by, you know, different background and other elements of diversity, um, race, gender, creed, all that, but even just experience level and all of those things, that adaptability and that flexibility for me 
what I see is that's one of the major differentiators between good entrepreneurs and great entrepreneurs. And it's a difference between people having lots of success and maybe a little bit of success. And, you know, you were, you were kind of asking about some of those differences. One of the real hot topic ones that I'm seeing right now with a lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with is it's always been a battle and a challenge as an entrepreneur to hire people that never have the same passion and energy for the business that you do because it's, they're just, just not theirs. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to replicate. But one of the bigger things that I'm seeing right now, especially for, you know, folks in their early 20s and especially in, in, in my area, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that get frustrated with employees because they feel like there's some simple sort of employable skills that they should just know how to do. Um, for instance, I was talking to a client not too long ago that has a retail space, and she was frustrated because this this new hire that she had, who was 22, fresh out of college, uh, basically once they did whatever they were asked to do, they just kind of go to their phone and and look at some things and kind of wait for the next opportunity or the next customer to kind of pop up. And that's really frustrating for somebody that maybe didn't grow up that way. But one of the things that I think we older folks, since I'm in my late forties would say is that, you know, not to be like kids these days sort of things, but as a, as a parent of a, a somebody who's a 21 year old and some teenagers, you know, my friend, my kids and their friends don't work and don't do jobs the way we used to when I was growing up. And so, the simple jobs like working at your local fast food restaurant or delivering a newspaper, some of those things, working at a, at a, at a grocery store, waiting tables, what have you, like those are things that taught people at a young age what it's like to be an employee, the importance of being on time, uh, the importance of what happens if I call off on a particular time. What happens to me as somebody that comes to work and the schedule changes and now I got to fill in that gap and things like that. And because we are in a society, in my opinion, right now with with teenagers and young adults, where we've pushed them to do different things like travel sports that take all their time up and they're different to all these activities they get involved in that just don't work as much as they used to. And so that's a real gap that I'm seeing right now is, um, you know, even in my past life, I would interview really good engineering co-ops and their work experience at 22 would be things like babysitting or you know, frater or fraternity or sorority officer or things like that. And those are all good experiences, but it, nothing's like working for somebody, getting a paycheck and seeing what that experience is like. And when you never have that experience, it's hard to be a good employee. And then I think if you come out as an entrepreneur right off the bat, it's really hard to manage people because you don't know some of the things that employees do that um, can be either good or bad along the way. So that's, that's probably one of the bigger generational things that's kind of topical right now that I've been doing. I, I'm, you made me like when you started with the generational thing and started kind of like complaining, not complaining, but mentioning something about uh, the, uh, how they're being treated. I never looked at it like yeah, these kids, these young adults, they unfortunately don't have those youthful jobs that like even I as an elder millennial cl closer to the Gen Xers had when we were younger. Like I started working young. I worked for my father. I, I did odd jobs. I understood the, the role of a, at a young age versus some of these kids because they're getting told like, hey, when you go to a university, you need to have all these things to be mm -hmm. an even better person to compete. So it takes away from working at jobs and that because they're, they need to do all these extracurricular. I never looked at it that in that. Wow. 
and and then and then like for me being a Gen Xer, right? Like when I talk to other Xers or even Boomers, it's like, and you know who did that? Yeah, we did. Like we <laughs> we set those expectations, right? We we said, you know what? Don't work while you're at school. Just focus on being a college student. And you know those are nice things to be able to do, but there's a cost to that on the backside when it comes out to working and. You know, some of the things I learned by working fast food drive through and some of the things I learned by running a cash register in a grocery store and things like that. I mean, some of those basic lessons I still take with me today. And I think all of us learn those things experientially. And if I just have less experience, it's it's harder for me to to kind of learn those things or be um, be knowledgeable of those things and what it means to be a good employee or manage a good employee. Um, just if I haven't lived it. I like that. And, I, and it's true. And I, I, again, I love these conversations because they go everywhere and it's great. Um, moving into your career, you, you said that you wanted to help people so that they get those skills so they could upgrade. Um, obviously, you, you probably had some rough times in the early stages of your career, like most businesses do. Um, everybody who says they didn't uh, probably is lying um, or isn't telling the whole truth. Um, I want to know, a good moment, like a moment that you had with a client mm-hmm. that just cement, like you, like it cemented your why, like it, even through the, like when you had those dark days, like a memory that would light up and just keep you pushing through it, through the hard days. Like, do you have a memory like that you care to share? Yeah, I would say one in particular for me, there's a um, the chiropractic family. It's a second generation business that was an early on client for me. And, you know, we were, we were making some good progress with them, but, you know, one of the things as coaches that, you know, we have to do is we have to be willing to challenge and push people, which can be uncomfortable at times when you're getting paid by somebody that maybe you're having to tell them something they don't necessarily want to hear. Right. But that's kind of what we sign up for. And, and early on, like one of my earlier clients, like I remember just challenging the, it's a husband and wife team. And I was talking to the wife and I just finally threw it out there. I'm like, you're bored. Like your problem right now is your board and they had accomplished a lot. And I really tried to challenge her on some different things about what the next level or next step for them individually, as well as the business could be. And it was really fundamentally, I think, you know, you know, kind of life changing for them because it got them thinking about, you know, their purpose, which for them is they see the level of care that they bring to patients that they have a really high standard for and they want to make sure that they can alleviate as much pain and suffering for folks as they could. And there were some things that were holding them back from wanting to expand their practice, either buy other practices or open other locations, because, you know, they had fears about being able to manage and lead folks and being able to provide that level of consistency and just challenging them and helping them see that, like, if you really do have this gift that you think you do, then what kind of crime is it that you're not sharing it with more people when you could? And being able to just kind of say some of those things like that and allow that to resonate and then see that process. And then over the succeeding years, watch them continue to grow that practice to probably sizes that they hadn't even really anticipated, having the confidence in bringing more people on board and then ultimately delivering on that mission that they've been excited about. And that's kind of been a thread throughout their entire lives. Um, Those are the things that are really rewarding. And those are the things that when you end up in those difficult conversations where you have to challenge and trust people, I'm, I'm just as bad as my clients. I have fears that pop in my head and make me worried that I'm going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or make the mistake. But, you know, when, when you 
have the confidence to be who you are, be authentic and genuine and say the things that you're thinking based on what you're observing, challenge a client with that and have that success. Those are the kinds of things I go back to when I'm in my next difficult situation. And I, you know, I remember for me personally, when I'm vulnerable about what, about what I do and what my challenges are and sharing those things with my clients to help them kind of see themselves through my experiences. And when I'm authentic about those things, I I've never lost. And those are the sorts of things that, that I try to remind myself on a regular basis through positive examples. Like I love it. Uh, and it's a great memory to have. And because you, you see the, the success, you, you know exactly what you can do and you have this, uh, this great memory and how you helped other people grow. And you can always pull on it yourself and go, am I being, am I bored? Is that what's going on? Yeah. So it's a great, great double, double edge, uh, thing. Um, would you do it all over again? <laughs> yeah, except I probably would have done it sooner. You know, I think um, I, I really kind of knew what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. Um, challenge was, you know, I had a lot of real life issues. Um, you know, at 40, I had four kids. Two of them would have been teenagers at that point. That's when I started this. Um, that was a lot of risk and a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to put on the line potentially. Um, but, you know, one of the things about being an entrepreneur is focusing on those positive things that can happen, being realistic about those fears and those challenges, but making sure you weigh those things both equally. And, um, you know, one of the exercises that I still do to this day is one of the ones that helped me make the decision to move forward, which is really thinking about whatever my worst fear is and what's the likelihood of it happening. And how do I get back to today if my absolute worst fear came true? And one of the things that I've experienced with myself in that and as well as working with others is our fears are always really binary, meaning it's either going to be the greatest thing ever or it's going to be the total, complete dumpster fire, worst experience you can ever imagine. And the reality every time is it's always somewhere in the middle of that. And so if we start to realize, well, if I'm in somewhere in the middle, I can make some progress. And if I make a little progress here, I can make some more progress here. And then the next thing you know, um, you're doing the things that you love, like being the podcast mogul and being able to do the things that you want to do. Because when you start to think about wanting to do those things, there's a million reasons why it can't work. But if you allow yourself to stay in those million reasons why, you're never going to get there. But if you allow yourself the opportunity to see that, you know, and I'm guessing it's the same way with you, Phil. You know, when you got started, it didn't go as perfectly as planned. But every time you got a little closer to being better and being better and being better. And if we stick with that and it stacks up, you know, that's how we that's how we build to be successful. And um, it's true with me. It's true with my clients. And um, I love helping them kind of walk through that process to, to be able to get. It's right. Well, I, just looking back, like I feel like this is a full on uh, free coaching session for anybody who's listening uh, to destroy their limiting beliefs. Because one of the biggest things is the fear. Fear is the biggest thing in the world. And like one of the mottos that I follow and it's it's from the, the the boys over at Yes Theory who created the brand. It's seeking, always looking for that thing because your biggest growth is on the other side of uh, discomfort. And it's it's true. Like we think because we're so fearful, we only think either you can only be good, great, or it's going to go dumpster fire. Like if it's not great, it's not going to work. But in reality, like things are going to break, but it still goes. Like people forget that 
uh, Edison said, I, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just found a hundred ways that didn't work. You know, yeah. like he didn't look at it as a failure. Okay. It doesn't work. Okay. Move on. Let's try something else. Like, and I, I think people forget that with the, with the, the, with the way we were brought up with school being so like school is binary. You either pass or you fail. Like there's mm-hmm. very, no varying degrees or you're like in math, it's you're right or you're wrong. So I love that you just brought up this, like, Hey, you always end up in the middle and you can always improve instead of worrying about the fear, just aim for the middle and then go to great. Um, Brad, do you have a tip since you wanted to redo it earlier? Let's look back. Someone's in the, the, the nine to five slug of the corporate world, you know, like they may be enjoying their job, but it's not lighting their heart on file fire. What tip do you have for them to try? I think the, the best tip that I can think of related to, to, to try being an entrepreneur is it's one of those things. Like I look at this as a parent, right? Like I could, I could talk to a million people before I had my first child, but until he was born, (laughs) I had no idea. Right. And, and I think that's the same thing about entrepreneurship. Now, just like we talked about things not being binary, right? There are a lot of things that you can do to test some of your entrepreneurial ideas without having to go all the way in. Um, and so I think, you know, back to that same notion that we were just talking about. And, and, and one of the ways we also talk about that in my practice, you know, one of my mentors talked a lot about the concept of no parking, right? And it's okay to go backwards. And we obviously want to go forward, but even going sideways helps us. The only way nothing changes is if we stay in the parking space. And, you know, having that sort of mentality of, just take a first step. It doesn't matter if it's a bad step. It doesn't matter if it's the greatest step. In fact, sometimes I've, that's been my experience that entrepreneurs that make the first step to be a really great one struggle with the next five or six steps because they did not deal with adversity and getting started. Right. And so like, just pick a direction and go. And whenever you go, you're going to learn, you're going to see, and you're going to evaluate and, you can always you can always move in those different directions to get to where you want to go by moving, but continuing to just kind of sit still, you know, it just it just can't happen. And then the other thing I guess I would say that I see sometimes is that I don't think entrepreneurs really think about themselves as salespeople. Sometimes um, they love a service, they love a particular skill set they have. Um, some of my friends that are in. Uh, coding and development and things like that. Like they're really good at that work. Um, but like they, they hesitate to be the, the model, model the metaphor I always use is they're always afraid they're going to be the used car salesperson. Right. And I think understanding that when you go out as an entrepreneur, you are a salesperson. There's nothing wrong with being a salesperson. And the vast majority of people that I've already, or that I've ever met, that were worried about being the used car sales person or whatever that bad metaphor is in their head, behaviorally and how they're wired, they couldn't possibly be that person, even if they tried. And so ask for business, be willing to ask for relationships and connections, Um, be willing to come out and do things like this and put yourself out there and not worrying about, is it gonna be successful? How am I gonna be perceived? Um, but just, just going for it and putting yourself out there and recognizing that you have to be a salesperson and there's nothing wrong 
with being a salesperson. Really great people are salespeople and really great inventions, capabilities, life-changing services happen because people are willing to sell them to other folks. And that's probably one of the biggest blocks I see with entrepreneurs is they don't want to be that salesperson. And, and I have that block too, because I, I have the, the the dirty sale car salesman, the slick car salesman, the, you know, the guy that just is trying to get you to spend your buck and then forget about you. And it's like, no, podcasting is so much more than that. I'm not trying to sell you on it. Like, anyways, uh, that's a, that's something I'm working on with my, uh, my mentor and they're, they're doing a great job on it because obviously uh, doing way better than I was last year and the year before. But we're coming up to the end of the show. We did mention um, Yes Theory. And as most of my fans know, I'm a huge fan of them because they, they come from uh, Montreal. And they have the Spark. So we're going to do the Spark question of the show today. And um, I think this is a great one, speaking of mentors and uh, teachers and that. So I want to know who has been the most memorable teacher in your Wow. Um, I would say academically the most i'm going to give you two answers academically the first one was my junior year high school english teacher and she gave somebody who's wordy and can be all over the place like myself the concepts and the tools to be able to organize my thoughts on paper that also work in organizing my thoughts in my head that allow me to really be effective i think one of my greatest strengths which is being able to take complex situations and distill them down for folks so that it makes it a little bit more clear and easy for them. And so, and Davidson Kuzmer, wherever you are, if you happen to be listening to this, thank you for that. Um, and then I'd say the other thing academically, and it's hard to pick out one person, so I'll just name the entire program, but I got my master's in organization development at Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio, um, in the um, mid 2000s. And, and I had been doing some coaching and, and, and consult, consult, consulting work and like doing it, but not being necessarily formally trained in it and having those doubts that we all have. Like I looked forward to going there and finding out like there as if there was some magic book of answers somewhere that I'd never seen. And what those folks did in that program and was so helpful for me is that is it helped me realize is that all these things that we have around us are tools and resources or whatever. But if we can't read the situation that we're in and the needs of individuals and the needs of organizations, like we can't be successful and that there are no magic one size fits all answers. And that if we're focusing on the people that we're working with, if we learn about them, if we get to know them, we get to understand them and we build trusting relationships with them, the how we make those things happen all becomes much more clear and much easier to be able to execute. And that there's no magic silver bullet. And I know that sound may sound silly to some, but for me, that was one of those things was like, oh, like when I watch all these experts walking around, like there's times where they're just as full of crap as I am. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was like freeing, right? To be able to realize like you're talking to some of these people that, you know, like for instance, one of my instructors, they were some of the people that did the research and the seminal work around in, uh, emotional intelligence and on uh, the book called Primal Leadership. And like you're being taught by the people that were, were doing the work and doing the research and you realize, yeah, they had a hunch and they went with it and they put together some approach and they proved their hypothesis. And and like just being able to hear that from the, some real experts in the field was so confidence building for somebody like me to be able to hear that. So I'd have to 
one and one a would be those two answers i love it i love it they're great answers um uh for people to remember like we learned a lot in schools and that helps us where we are today but also most of the people we look up to at one point didn't have a clue what they were doing and they just were a thought a wing and a prayer away from uh, financial ruin but um Brad, we are coming to the end, which I hate because I hate saying goodbye to my guests because we have so much fun on this show. I'm going to jump off. I want you to tell my audience where they can connect with the growth, the the growth coach. I think I would be able to speak for a living. Apparently not. Here you go, sir. Yeah, thank you, Phil. So um, in my practice, we, we really help businesses grow in one of three ways. We work with the executives or the owners of the businesses to help them figure out how do they get more out of the people that they work with and lead them more effectively. We also help them build the skill sets of their manager teams and their management teams so that they can get more things done and be able to overcome those kind of uh, early shaky moments where they're trying to figure out how do I go from a, a doer to more of a thought leader. And then like we also talked about in the, in the podcast today, helping people develop that sales mindset and be comfortable being a salesperson as an entrepreneur. Um, we do all that work in a variety of different ways. You can reach me specifically at www.thegrowthcoachofcentralohio.com. And then part of my work as well, we're actually a network of coaches in The Growth Coach. And I also help develop those coaches. So if you're interested in learning more about coaching or maybe even considered starting your own coaching business, please go to thegrowthcoach.com to learn more there. And I'd love to share more about my experiences as, as being a coach um, by connecting with you through there as well. Awesome, Brad. I want to thank you so much for being on the show and being an amazing guest. I had a great time talking with you and sharing our love of being a catch uh, <laughs> when we were youthful uh, audience, uh, youthful uh, people and not in pain whenever we bend down as we're growing older. Um, but also the the story of helping the chiropractor and all your advice for people. It's been great having you on the show. So I want to thank you sincerely for being on the show. Phil, I appreciate it. You made it really easy and real fun. And uh, I thank you for making the time to, to have me on. Oh, it was a pleasure and it's all mine. Um, to my audience, uh, make sure you check out the show notes. There will be links to everything to connect with Brad, uh, the Growth Coach uh, Network, so that you can become a better uh, coach and uh, connect with like-minded uh, that want to grow other businesses. So make sure you check out that. And as always, I thank you for listening. And remember... To invest in yourself.